Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is our epistle lesson from Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the word of the Lord. It's a video that I saw a few years ago that I I just can't forget. It's 2018, and there's major flooding in Harnack County of North Carolina. And this drone surveillance video shows this couple running down the road through this flooding coming to a bridge which the river has already come over and they're running right into it trying to flee and it's one of those videos where you say out loud no what are you doing don't go that way because it didn't take long for them to be swept by those floodwaters smashed into the guardrails and they're clinging there for dear life And you can tell minute by minute that they are getting tired. That they're not quite sure they can hold on anymore as those floodwaters just keep coming and coming and coming. That's what was going on for the Christians when the writer to the Hebrews penned this letter. It was just floodwaters raging. Not literally, figuratively. There was persecution. There was this temptation to give up on their faith and give up on holding to Jesus Christ. There was this temptation to go back into the old ways of Judaism. It was raging against them and there was this temptation to just Let go and give up. They were tired. They were weak. And so this writer to the Hebrews, all throughout this wonderful letter, encourages these young Christians in their faith. We're looking at just three verses from Hebrews 4, but already in this book, prior to these chapters, in the first three chapters, already he's written these things. Pay careful attention so that you do not drift away. He writes, hold on to your courage and hope. He writes, hold firmly to the end. And then here, in our section from Hebrews 4, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Four times already, in the first four chapters, this call to hold on firmly, to not give up, to not drift away. That sounds great, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like what you want to do? To hold firmly to the faith that you profess? 
Because if you're like most people, if you're like most Christians, how often in life don't you feel like that couple hanging on that guardrail for dear life? Just feeling like you're going to be swept away. The floodwaters just keep coming and coming and coming. Those temptations of Satan. That he knows your weaknesses. (laughs) He knows what buttons to push. (laughs) Satan just keeps coming at us, doesn't he? He comes and he, he tries to convince us that God doesn't love us. He's not there for us. It doesn't really matter. Just give in. We've got this world we live in that loves to hold out these shiny, glittery things in front of us to take our attention off of God. Right? The world tries to convince us that, well, if you had a little bit more money, then you'd be content. If you had a better job, then you'd be happier. Right? If you had that newer car, or that bigger house, then, then, then you'd find satisfaction. It's hard to hold firmly to the faith that we profess, isn't it? And then you've got all the troubles of just living in this sinful world, right? The, the, the sicknesses you have to endure, the pain that comes in life. Right? Those things that get us to question, God, are you really there? Do you really love me? Are you going to take care of me? It's hard to hold on to the faith that we profess. And then you've got people around you who aren't there for you, who abandon you, who betray you, who are supposed to be the ones who love you the most and encourage you in your faith, but where are they? It's hard to hold firmly to that faith we profess. It's hard to hold on. It's hard to hold on to that faith when it feels like no one understands what you're going through. When you look around and see, wow, it looks like everyone has, has it all together, and look at me here, I'm struggling. And you feel so lonely. Like no one can really get what you're going through. It's hard to hold firmly to the faith that we profess. You know, that couple in that, in that flooding in North Carolina. You know, often in cases like this, and it was the case there, you've got some warning that those storms are coming. Right? And the warnings had been given a few days ahead of time. You need to get out of here. You can't wait. It's coming. And it's going to cause destruction and death if you don't. And so you, you have to wonder, even as you watch a video like that, you feel sorry for them. You feel really badly But you also have that in the back of your mind, like, what are you doing there in the first place? You got yourself into this mess. What are you doing? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Good question to ask ourselves. Because if we're honest, it's not only hard to hold firmly to the faith we profess because of the temptations of the devil and because of the sinful world and all the troubles we endure and the people who fail us in our lives. Let's be honest, very often, it's often the choices we choose to make that make it hard to hold on to the faith that we profess. The 
cutting words to our spouse, the disrespect to our employer, the short temper with the kids. All of those things make it hard to hold on to the faith that we firmly profess. Why? Well, because we, we can go one of two ways. When, when we sin and we continue to sin over and over and over against the people in our lives, against God, there's the one way of, I see all my sins. I see all of my failures. And how could God ever forgive someone like me? How could God ever love a sinner like me? I'm unforgivable. In those cases, it's hard to hold on to that faith that we profess. But then there's the other side of the same coin. Where we can become so hardened in sin that they don't even bother us anymore. That we can speak those cutting words to our spouse without a tinge of guilt. That the disrespect for our boss doesn't just go through our mind, but we're willing to share it with everyone that we can, our, our fellow employees, our, our family members. Maybe we put it out there on social media. The blowing up at the kids, well, they had it coming. <laughs> How easily we begin to justify our sins, become hardened in those sins that they don't even bother us anymore. It's hard to hold on to the faith that we profess. It's hard to hold on. So how do we do it? I mean, we want to, right? As God's people, as Christians, we, we want to hold firmly to this faith that we profess. What do we do when we often feel like that couple on that guardrail? Just clinging for dear life. As those temptations of Satan come, as, as, as I've got this own weak, sinful flesh inside of me, that either wants to despair of God or just say, who cares? I, I've got the, the sinful world around me trying to allure me away from God. I've got these troubles in my life that are trying to take my focus off of God. What do you do when you're just in those raging floodwaters? How do you escape? How do you hold firmly? That, that drone video of that couple hanging on to that guardrail... It ends well. There were three other people who were also trying to escape themselves and, and they heard the cries of these two people and they risked their lives by trudging through those waters on that bridge to rescue them. They did. All five of them were able to get off that bridge safely. And that couple was thankful, extremely grateful because it didn't look like it was going to be much, much longer before they would have, were going to be swept away completely. And friends, when we're having trouble holding on, when we feel like we don't have a grip on anything anymore, it's finally when we realize we need to be rescued. That me trying to hold on as firmly as I can fruitless in the end. But that there is one who is there who's willing to rescue, who's willing to save. And it's much more than just putting his life in danger. 
It's much more than, than risking his life for you. You know what it took? It took the sinless Son of God to take your place, to be willing for you to be swept away for your sin and your guilt, who allowed himself to be flooded with the rage of God, his wrath and anger for every one of your sins, yes, for all of them, for all your doubts, for all the sins that you haven't repented of, for all the sins that, that you tried to justify, that sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, allowed himself to be swept away, to face death itself, so that you could be rescued, so that you could be saved from that wrath of God, from that punishment that you deserved. You see, friends, it's not about how firmly you're holding on, but about the one who, hold, who firmly holds on to you. The one who is your substitute in life and in death. The one who took your place willingly so that you could be saved. So that those waters cannot sweep you away. So that nothing in this life can take you from his hand. That's what these early Christians needed to hear. As they faced all of these floodwaters of this life, those temptations and that persecution and their own sinful flesh and the devil. And friends, it's what we need today too, 2,000 years later. To be pointed back to this champion, to this rescuer, to this one who took our place to take our punishment. And because we know those temptations continue to come, uh, because we continue to live in this sinful world that longs to lure us away from God, uh, because we continue to struggle with this sinful flesh that wants to drive us to despair or drive us into this who cares about sin attitude, so we need to continue to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, that sinless Son of God, and what He continues to do for us. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews is, is explaining for us here in this lesson. In these three short verses, we get this beautiful picture of what this sinless Son of God continues to do for us. To remind us who is, holy, who is firmly holding on to us so that we can hold on to the faith that we profess. Listen to what he says here. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, how can we hold on firmly to the faith that we profess? Well, this, this Jesus, this sinless Son of God, didn't just live and suffer and die, but he rose from the dead. And he has gone through the heavens, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing there? He is our great high priest. And in the Old, Old Testament illustration there, what that means is he's your go-between. He's your mediator. He's your intercessor. He is the one who sits at the right hand of the Father 
and says, Father, I, I know they deserve nothing but death and hell. <laughs> I know they, need, they deserve to be punished for every single one of their sins. Look, I did it again and again and again. But Father, I didn't go into the world just to offer sacrifices for them. I was the sacrifice for their sins, for the sins of the world. And so they are holy and blameless in your sight. Father, forgive them. And he does. We can hold firmly to the faith that we profess because we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, ascended right into that right hand of the Father itself to, to assure us that every sin has been forgiven. That our sins cannot separate us from God. That our Heavenly Father is not angry at us and looking for an opportunity to punish us for what we've done, but that punishment was already taken care of on the cross 2,000 years ago. Hold firmly to the faith that we profess because this Jesus, the sinless Son of God, is firmly holding on to you. How else do we hold firmly to the faith that we profess? Lost my page. There we go goes on, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. We have a high priest who, who knows what we go through, who knows what we experience in this life because he himself went through it. As he left heaven and he took on flesh and became fully human in every way, he experienced everything that you do in this life. He's able to empathize with you and your weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by people that were supposed to love him and be there for him. He knows how it feels to lose someone that you love. He knows what it's like to endure pain and suffering. He knows what it feels like to live on just a little. He knows what it feels like to be forsaken by the Father. But, but unlike you, he actually was forsaken by the Father at that cross. He knows what it's like to go through hell, and he actually did for you. He knows what it's like to face the bombardment of temptations from this world and from Satan. And for you, he faced them and defeated them every single time. You see, he's not just your substitute in death. He didn't just take your death, but he also was your substitute in life. To defeat every one of those temptations, those, those lures of the world to take his eyes off of God, every temptation of the devil to give up on his mission, to take his eyes off of why he came and to serve himself. He defeated everyone perfectly, his entire life for you. And he knows what it's like to face those temptations. He knows what you need in those moments of weakness. Friends, we can hold firmly to the faith that we profess because 
we know the one who is firmly holding on to us. The one who empathizes with us in our weaknesses. The one who has faced every temptation of the devil for us and defeated him perfectly for us. That sinless son of God. But there's more. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are able to hold firmly to the faith that we profess because this same Jesus has given us access to the throne room of God. That we can approach that throne of grace with absolute confidence and ask for whatever we are lacking, whatever we need. He says, I will meet that need. Are you facing doubts? Pray for faith. It will be yours. Are you struggling with hopelessness? Pray for hope and certainty in the promises of God, and he will give it. Are you struggling to find your purpose and, and meaning and what this life is all about? Pray. Pray for peace and joy and the promises of God, and he will give it. Are you afraid? Pray for his comfort. Whatever you are lacking, whatever you need, approach that throne and know that God says, I will give you every spiritual blessing. In my means of grace, in word and in sacrament, they are all yours. He will never hold back on any of those blessings that you need and desire. Approach the throne of grace with confidence. And know that whatever you need, it is yours, so that you may find mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Friends, we are able to hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Not because our grip is so strong. Not because we are such great Christians. Not because we have it all figured out. But because of the one who is firmly holding on to us. The same one who calls us to hold firmly to the faith that we profess is the same one who says, I give you everything to do it your high priest, ascended into the heavens, who is there to intercede for you and to empathize with you and to strengthen you in the face of temptation and forgive you when you sin. I'm there to, to open up the throne room that you can come to me and, and receive any blessing that you need at any time. Christ will hold us fast. And it's because of that that we hold firmly to the faith that we profess. God grant it to you. Amen.